We are on a mission. A mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast, you'll get actionable business advice. Hear stories from industry leaders. And share a laugh or two with us. Fuel your passion for pharmacy. One conversation at a time. Four. Three. Two. One. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bivens, Vice President of Sales for Pioneer X. And today I'm here with my co-host, Josh. Hi, I'm Josh Allen, Senior Vice President of Clinical Strategy and Development at Pioneer RX. Today we welcome back Trip Logan uh, back to the podcast. Trip is the Vice President of CMO RX Pharmacies in Southeastern Missouri. Um, also a co-owner of ESPA, which is Enhanced Service Pharmacy Alliance, um, an NCPA Innovation Board member, a national luminary. He is everything in pharmacy you could be. Yeah, we were, gonna, we were just talking and we were like, you were the first external guest we had on this podcast. Was that really? You were the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did a first, first external and first non-pioneer, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you were, hadn't. Yeah. We, we had, I don't even know if we had committed to switch to pioneer at that point. I don't, I, I think we, we were close. I think we were, I don't, I don't know if we had, I don't think we even, maybe we talked about it. I can't remember, but it was, we weren't transitioned over yet. Yeah. I think that right. was us buttering you up to, to commit. <laughs> hey, it worked. <laughs> worked out. Worked out. Yeah. Worked but, out. Yeah. We, well, we didn't want to call him right after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to do it before. That was um, too busy right after. <laughs> right after it was busy. And then, and yeah. then, you know, COVID was kicking off after soon after that. Um, yeah, I don't, when was that? That seems like forever ago oh, to me. I was just asking Brandon too. He's he's the he's the man behind the behind the curtain. He, I think eighteen months ago. Yeah, eighteen. It had to have been probably feels longer though. Maybe early twenty nineteen. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this has been a long two years. It has been. Yeah. It really has been. I feel like I I even look like I've aged yeah. ten. Like I, I've been like I've been sending a, a little meme to my software developers of like. You know, there's this meme where like this guy's like, "Oh my God, what a long week!" And then the other guy's like, "Frank, it's just Tuesday." And <laughs> right. I feel like like that's been <laughs> that was the the, yeah. the theme of the last year and a half. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, a lot of positive come out of it. Whole lot of bad. Yeah. Whole yeah. lot of bad. Well, let's let's get into so I, I know so I think all of your pharmacies now are under kind of the it, am I saying this right the Semo brand? Yeah. So it's tricky. <laughs> um, so I can get into the story. Yeah. So right now we're kind of calling them CMO RX, Southeast Missouri, yep, RX yep. Pharmacies and right. Services, um, because we're digging into this thing where we had different pharmacies that we bought, had different names, right. and then we're offering services across all of them, working to centralize as much as possible, which right. creates a major branding issue. Mm-hmm. It's, and then separating services from the pharmacy where, hey, you know, you don't have to get your prescriptions filled here for the services. So it's always tricky. So we're, that's an attempt. I don't say that we did. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. In, a work in progress. Call that. That's right. That's right. Good stuff. Um, and I know like from last time, I know it, one, we learned from you and we kept iterating throughout every podcast is how tightly you guys manage like local relationships with like public health and providers and things like that. So it was really cool. Um, but, and then also part of this, uh, enhanced service pharmacy Alliance as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the local stuff's still kicking and you talk about a good time to be embedded local. It's during a pandemic. 
those relationships come to fruition. We, we've done some of the probably the most rewarding things in my career with local public health during, really? during the pandemic. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, so when vaccine first started rolling out, um, after obviously we did our last podcast, right. we, we realized that we said so we've got three pharmacy locations in three different counties. Uh, one of them has a health system there that was taking the lead. So we said we'd support you in your vaccination efforts. Another one had um, public health department and several entities that were helping. Uh, and FQHC was there. And so they were leading effort. Where I'm sitting right now in Mississippi County, Missouri, we have four independent pharmacies and one local public health department, no health system, healthcare oh. infrastructures, like rough. So we found out we, we were going to start getting some vaccine. And um, what I did was, is I contacted my um, local public health department director and said, hey, look, we're going to get some scattered vaccine in. We'll get sporadic in our drugstores, uh, colleagues in the independent pharmacies around the, the county, uh, friends of mine, they're all going to get sporadic. You're going to get sporadic. It doesn't make any sense for us to compete. So what we need to what we need to do, in my opinion, is let's pool our resources, our vaccinators, our vaccine, our staff, our scheduling, and let's just do it all together countywide, contact the county commission and do this as a countywide effort. And so we did. It was really amazing. Wow. Um, we had a residents and pharmacy students that set up essentially like a hotline and a, a, our acuity scheduler they set up as a, 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 a consolidated scheduler. And we had these mass vaccine events where, you know, if we had 400 doses, we had 400 doses, but it could be 100 of mine, 100 of somebody else's, 200 of somebody else's. And we all did it together as one. And it was really seeing a community come together. Actually, we we had um, a lot of um, regional and, and, and national attention that's about a how we, yeah, how that's we rolled that But yeah. it's all relationship-based. Had we not had those relationships, th- these other three independents aren't my competitors. They're my friends. We've worked together on projects. Local public health, we already had a dialogue. We knew we could work nice. together. So, boom, we flipped a switch, and we did this in, a, in about 10 days. Wow. Uh, and it was great. It was great. So, yeah, I could tell stories all day long about how those relationships have paid dividends, not only in our patients, but created some payable opportunities for us to sustain services. It's anybody that's not getting outside the walls of your pharmacy and talking to public health, like you're missing the boat because those, those are your best partners. Really? Yeah. And I love that where you, you said, you know, the other independents aren't your competitors. You know, we, we talk a lot to a lot of pharmacies where they've always kind of been like, this is my little special domain. And they think about their competitor as, you know, Frank down the street, not the big chains. And so it's nice when you when you think about you guys coming together, it was it was a professional endeavor, not I'm trying to take this guy out. I noticed you didn't call CVS or Walgreens and get them in the bucket. Yeah, they were already struggling yeah. locally with some long term care issues. And so luckily we we helped them out too with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's a that's a nice story to put on the news, right? Yeah, you weren't the only. Yeah, yeah, a lot that local shop steps up, takes out national chain. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, we had a uh, Rannon on kind of similar boat, you know, trying to just step in where they couldn't and where they, I guess, thought they were supposed to. Well, I, I'll I'll just say it's a big player. I don't know the name. I don't mm. remember the name, but um, it's kind of similar boat. But that's that's huge. So so now you're. So kind of what, what have you guys learned? What have you kept have from, from, from all of that? What- and it's just like one step at a time. So you have to treat everything like this is the next step to, to the next step. So um, we're, we've got multiple public health contracts right now. We, had, we were just published in APHA's journal not yep. too long ago for um, self-monitoring blood pressure, public health contract. Like we were lowering blood pressure at a statistically significant rate with 
interventions, paid interventions, scaling that right now across multiple counties, trying to uh, administer that program as well with, with a lot of our internal team. Um, wow. And then you get into like we've got six community health workers on staff, all public health driven, getting a lot of attention in the state and, and nationally. And I'd love to talk about that at some point on this because it's it's the if you want to open the door to conversations with people outside of pharmacy, because we're great about talking about how good we are sure. and we do this and this and this. But it doesn't mean anything if you're talking the, the people you're talking to don't recognize the value you're providing. So how do you quantify that value? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's something as simple as having a technician cross-trained as a community health worker because that resonates in the medical side and the health plan side, public health side. It wow. resonates there where if you just have that technician that's trained in social determinants of health, that's meaningless. So, you know, just figuring out these little nuances that are so impactful and they've been just, I mean, we've, we've been able to leverage these relationships and these, these projects. It's just like, what's next up? So we had a grant to, to cross train community health workers in pharmacy. Okay. What's next? All right. Let's expand this in multiple counties. Okay. What's next? Let's standardize this process. What's next? Let's create a curriculum that, that pharmacies can use to um, train their techs in this, which is launching this month. So what's next? Okay. Let's talk about this with health risk assessments that just came out in the, the um, CMS final rule with, uh, yeah. with um, restructuring, right? So perfect. Like that's a great place to do those. And so what's next, what's next. And so we're, we're always pushing, pushing, pushing and public health is the way to go. Cause and I'll, I'll take a breath after this, but I hmm. want to make this point. A lot of people look at like change, like let's change in DC, let's change in CMS. What, what, what we've discovered is build a wall around your state. You know, forget mm. Medicaid MCO or whatever, who's in charge of that budget, the taxpayers and the Medicaid program in your state. So if you're doing well by your state, that's still local. They control the contracts that come into the state. And so if you're in with the state department of health and Medicaid is on board with you, then it makes life a lot easier because you're all aligned around taking care of people, the state. It's a lot of times the outside entities that are contractors that come in and cause the problems. And so like if you, if, if that's fixed up front and you're at the table as, as far as pharmacy and outreach and local up front, then everybody wins, even the health plans, everybody wins. Cool. Let's step back. Like three breaths. When you said the program for training technicians is rolling out this month, um, where is it rolling out and what kind of training does it look like? What does it look like? Yeah. So, um, thanks for asking that. The, um, the experience we've had with community health workers. So we trained our first technician as a community health worker about three, almost four years ago, I guess. And the, in the, each state, the curriculum is a little bit different in what's required, but I can tell you the journey in Missouri has been get them trained, get standardized curriculum, get that recognized by the state and then see what you can do with that from the, you know, from the pharmacy and the outreach worker standpoint. So that we'll just put all that process aside and just assume that um, either states recognize a community health worker or they're interested in recognizing a community health worker. So what we did was we, we were approached after some success that we had had in, in public health arrangements and, and, and so on in the state of Missouri to help create a curriculum specifically for pharmacy technicians. Okay. Because what we're finding is and we, I was just at the uh, PQA annual meeting last week, and you know, everything's social well, terms of well. health now. Yeah. Really? Yeah, huh. I guess we okay. were. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we were there, and you know, it's funny. Everything's SDOH, social determinants of health, the last mile care, local, local, local. But what, what happens is a lot of times, you know, in my experience, those that are in charge of providing that are a lot of times not local. And, and the people that need to be engaged that are the highest cost, most at risk, those people are the ones without cell phone minutes or broadband. 
right? right? Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, you've got to have somebody local. So having a sustainable place in a community like a pharmacy to have an SDOH expert, like a community health worker just makes sense in today's environment. Our state saw that. So they commissioned us to help build a curriculum based on the framework of like some, some um, um, curriculum that already existed. Like here are minimum standards for curriculum. Okay. So um, Bianca Daisy Bell, our clinical director in, in, in for our company, for our pharmacies, um, helped and she used to be in academia. And so she helped write this curriculum, got it approved in the state of Missouri. And then we took that curriculum and we we uh, commissioned uh, CE Impact to, to help us make okay. that sustainable. Because nice. one of the things that we found out was this curriculum's great, but if it's at a community college and that's, you know, the classes from three to six on Tuesdays, a technician ain't going to be able to go do yeah, that. So we had to think outside the box and come up with something that was longitudinal. The hours were, were you know, maybe work at your own pace, cohort based, but uh, that technicians could, could do. And so our first cohort is being onboarded right now in May. We're going to have three classes this year and we're, we're scaling this as fast as we can because the need's there. I'm talking, I mean, I've talked to, shoot. By the end of by the end of July, I'll have talked to f- six different states. I think really? um, whether it's their state nice. association, pharmacy association, whether that's their public health department, um, you know, who whoever that is about this endeavor because it's you know it's a solution that's pretty simple. Like okay, so let's empower our technicians to focus on in need patients. That's all right. Let's come up with enrichment opportunities for our current staff that makes their job more rewarding. <laughs> Not a big downside either. Right. And oh yeah, maybe it helps provide some, you know, you're the target of last mile care for you know, underserved populations. I mean, that's still all, that gives you the, you know, the good warm feeling all around. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, if through a lot of the podcasts we talked about, it's really been focused on, you know, pharmacy just absolutely hitting a home run for public health. And, you know, we were all that, you know, if we weren't into public health, we probably wouldn't have been pharmacists in the first place. And so, you know, this seems like a, a really nice natural evolution of, all right, pharmacy's proven that public health has to be a central tenant of what we do. And like most good programs, they're successful because you have really good technicians doing a lot of the groundwork. So th- I like, I really like the idea of it. I have to see if Texas is um, doing anything like that at all. It's, um, it's also resonating in, in- Again, I go back to these technicians are typically doing this work anyway. Right. The good ones are. Like mm-hmm. our crew's been doing, they've been helping people through tough situations and getting transit and housing authority and meals on wheels for years. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Medication, if they can't get it, if it's too expensive, finding ways to get medication. Like we just consider that like normal practice, but that is hugely important, especially if you start quantifying like how much money is saved. We showed up in our first community health worker project, we showed that. Over 100 patients, we saved an average of $70 out of pocket per patient per month. That's not total cost of care. That's $70, and that's only in patients that determined that they could afford their medicine afterwards. And so that $70 was out of pocket per month that we save people by engaging a community health worker and a pharmacist, their healthcare provider, to, to really triage the situation and make sure that you know it was affordable. So that's very, very impactful. We just have to quantify it because pharmacists are terrible at saying, hey, right. we did this. Yeah, I was about to say, how are you documenting that using care plans or? Uh, 
care plans are a lot of times the care plans like as far as like the submission process mm-hmm. isn't the best way to aggregate that so we have been using um you know a lot of the triggers and follow-up and so on mm-hmm. for that a, a lot of it is really in specific grant projects where we're capturing data beyond just what would be in a care plan right, so like right. right now um on another call uh, our clinical directors on the phone helping onboard a process for like medication optimization for uh, 11 counties worth of pharmacies and public health and one of the things is medication optimization and so in the you know in the uh um data capture piece one of the things is you know what was the barrier overcome was it medication complexity was it out of co- out of pocket cost burden if so how much was saved and so we're hoping that not only we've done this in our pharmacies and shown like here's how much this this person can save by use going through this process with a chw community health worker chw mm-hmm. But how, you know, can we do this more broadly? And so we're trying to expand this real slowly. And, and um, I, I think this is just a way to show the value of, of, of these pharmacies. I really do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at the core, that's what the care plan is really meant to do. We just have to figure out a way to make it more. Uh, once it's scalable, we can make it more applicable. And totally you, you don't even have to, you know, you don't have to send it off to another payer or anything else. You just have to have the documentation so that you can report on it. Yeah. Yep. Gosh, that's, that that yeah. is huge. So for I'm going to ask like a really dumb question. <laughs> so so um, you'll be surprised. <laughs> you'll be surprised. <laughs> Trip trips. <laughs> be ready for this. No, um, sorry for the buildup. But I, I'm a I'm an independent pharmacist. I'm working away. I'm behind the bench, right? And and this this sounds good. It's, it 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 really does. However, like there's a little bit of in it. Like man, how do I how do I start that? How, you know, like in, in where, where's the pay model for me to even expend the resource to, to, to do it? Like, can you, can you just give us a little clarity into that piece for those folks that look at this and go, I'm not a trip Logan right now. <laughs> how do I, how do I kind of become one or my own version of it? Yeah. So that's not a dumb question. That's probably the most common question yeah. asked. And so that's, that's one we're really comfortable answering. Uh, a couple things. One is, Forget community health workers. Forget all that. If you don't have a relationship with your local public health director, you probably need to go and do that. Okay. Um, I, I think out of we're probably like ninety five percent successful with people we've recommended to go do that, where there's actually funding available through them or mm-hmm. through the state to fund a community health worker in their practice. Oh, like wow. no, I don't know anybody's paid for community health worker training. Oh, okay. So the you know these courses cost anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars. Um, most uh, CDC grants, most states have funding for that. Like it, you can find dollars in the state to cover that. So that's, that's one. How do you cover the time to send somebody through this and how do you incentivize them to do so? You know, that's, that's, a, that's another challenge. You know, and then you get into like justifying it over time. So how do you, how do, you do that? Uh, in the state of Missouri and what we've been talking to other states is you should incentivize this behavior. And so there are multiple grants that we have that we've written for and that we currently have and they're operationalized in the state of Missouri and other states are doing the same that pays the, the technicians time to go through the training. And some of them even give like give the pharmacist and some pharmacy time for like onboarding and pay them to actually get them acclimated, which means you go um, send that person um, to the local public health department to shadow or the warming center or meals oh. on wheels or whatever. So there's there's funding everywhere for this. It's just nobody's capturing it because a lot of people just don't know. Yeah. Hey, go down, and start a conversation with local public health. It's a good entryway. Maybe you start 
talking to your state department of health, maybe it's HRSA, maybe it's a federal dollar, maybe it's CDC, who knows, but they know, and they want to part, they want that funding coming. It looks great for them too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they're on a silo more so than anybody else. Like you think the pharmacies by themselves, at least they're talking to the physician's offices and the hospitals, like the local public health, they're out there by themselves. So they're looking for partnerships. Then you get to the sustainability play. Like, what do you do? Well, um, most community health workers don't have anywhere to live and work right now. Anyway, they're part of grants or part of, um, you know, work at a faith organization like a church right. or a nonprofit right. grant funded oftentimes. So they're on off. Well, cross training a tech, what do you get? So you have a tech mm-hmm. that happens to be really good at SDOH. They can be a tech all the time until they have to be a CHW. Like it's really makes sense. Yeah. We came up with an incentive program for our Text where we they get a raise and you know they get recognized if they get the certificate and you know they get some extra you know you get to go attend meetings or or whatever to 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 keep those credentials up. So we created. I don't think that's 100% necessary, but we we like to reward you know that type of yeah. that type of investment in 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 us. We want to reinvest in you. So that's what we've been doing. Wow, well, that makes that you kind of Uberize the need for a CHW then to to a degree. Like it's at it's kind of on demand as you need it then. Yeah. Um, instead yeah. of having to try to find and don't forget for it's like marketing it's not like they have billable codes right now which i firmly believe that chws will be able to bill before pharmacists broadly i'm really I'm predicting that i'll put that right here like okay. i'm predicting that but who cares yeah. like if they're doing it on behalf of the pharmacy and the pharmacy is the the front door to healthcare in a community good uh-huh. good pay us to pay our community health worker right you know it's that, that that's fine we'll do that uh, right now they don't have billable codes but this is completely a marketing play to me Doors open when you have a CHW on staff. Hands down, that's it. You know, shut the door. That's that, that's that's what happens. So just think there, that we couldn't have spent like we hadn't spent hardly any money on our community health workers because that's all grant funded and there's money there. We couldn't have spent fifty thousand dollars in marketing and gotten the return that we've had just by having them on staff. We could we never could have done that. Wow. Wow. Interesting. That's that's big. Yeah, and it it's kind of funny. Um, I was at a an immunization summit in Phoenix a couple of months ago, and they were we were talking to some of the people um, from the state IISs, and they were talking about you know this is really the first time they've ever had the spotlight on them ever, right? They were kind of this registry that existed, and you know they provided reporting on childhood vaccinations, and that was about it. And so their funding went down like year over year, every year for like twenty consecutive years. And they got more dollars in funding in 2020 from COVID than they'd gotten in the previous 20 years combined. And so they were like, what are we going to do? Right. So they finally, they finally got heard. They finally had all these like attention on them. And now it's time to, how do we mobilize and get people? We got, you know, 200 million people vaccinated for COVID. How do we do that with, you know, MMR, Tdap, all the other stuff. And now they're like, we have dollars. We just need to find partners to work with to get them done because the public health department doesn't have the number of workers to actually do the jab. So yeah, I think you're spot on. You just have to go talk to those people. They, they want to give you money. They just don't know how. Can I build on that? So Please. great segue. So we've got this community health worker thing going for the last few years, been recognized in the state, and, and they know that everybody's in agreement. This is a good idea in the state of Missouri. We want to continue to expand. So fast forward to about this time last year, maybe a little earlier in the year, 
Uh, there's a bunch of CARES money available mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. through HRSA for um, vaccine hesitancy. And this is like after the first push of vaccination on through the summer. So it's like June through November, December. Um, a, a partner, St. Louis University, reached out to us and said, hey, we know you all done a really good job. We know about your community clinics that you did with local public health and aggregating pharmacies. This is something that you can help us do more broadly across 16 of the most underserved counties in the country, which happened to be in the Mississippi River Delta, Missouri, just in, uh, north of Memphis, Tennessee, just in the Arkansas, mm-hmm. Mississippi River area yep. in, uh, in Missouri. And so what uh, what we did is like, yeah, we, we can. They said, well, let's let's put a proposal together. And so we put a proposal together as two nonprofits with community outreach workers, um, our organization, and then um, St. Louis University. And we pitched this and we were one of, I think, only 12 entities funded in the country. And it was a uh, uh, almost $4 million grant and $4 million had to be spent in, spent in these counties in 16 counties in six months. Wow. And we had to show numbers, right? And so we're like, crap, how are we going to do this? And so what, you know, to your point, public health doesn't have infrastructure to do this. They have funding, they don't have infrastructure. Who's got infrastructure? Not really anybody, just to right. deploy. So what we did, and you, you mentioned um, Enhanced Service Pharmacy, well, that's ESFA, that's our consulting company, right? So we've been doing consulting and project management, um, data collection, pharmacy transformation work for almost 10 years. Uh, my dad and I are, are sole owners of this consulting group. And so we, we work on tons of different projects and they're all innovative. It's all really fun. So we're like, okay, so what have we done in the past? What can we do here? So what we did was we we designated these 16 counties. We found community outreach workers in all the counties and tried to train community health worker in the pharmacy to connect with the community outreach worker in that county. Okay. Uh, maybe there's multiple towns in the county. Most of this stuff's real rural and it's underserved, minority, Medicaid, um, you know, uninsured, just yeah. a really tough place, right? Low vaccination rate. So over the course of, you know, to fast forward, so our team went in and really streamlined this process. We had 24 pharmacies in this area. We ended up dropping freezers in all these areas, got vaccine in the areas, got the outreach workers working with the pharmacies. We had over 350 clinics in beauty shops, fish fries, farms, wow. um, church basements, all over the place in this, and ended up being only in a four and a half because we had, we had to set up the program right about a four month period. We had over 70,000 unique interventions with people about vaccine hesitancy. Now, those weren't individual people. That's returned because we would go back every month. And sometimes you would go back on the third time and you'd give somebody a vaccination. Sometimes you'd go back and that, you know, that person you'd talked to had passed away. Like I'm telling you, this was just an amazing project. We ended up having over 15,000 additional vaccinations in this four-month period in this population. And the pictures are amazing. Um, you know, we invested the money, but what we did was like, we empowered these pharmacies. We paid them well, we paid them quickly. We, we collected data. We sent that to Hearst and we got it back. And, you know, this, this will likely be published, um, soon. We just wrapped it up in February, but, um, we've been kind of out talking about it. Like I can show you some pictures from, from Gosh, these cool. vaccinations events. It, it was really amazing, but you know, it all goes back to, we were organized and I had a, you know, I'm blessed enough that we had this consulting team that's, they can ramp up real fast with these types of things. And then we had pharmacies that we've worked with and local public health that we worked with. Like, Hey, we know how to work. We know we can speak public health. We can speak pharmacy. And so we, we really married those things together and had a very successful project. Uh, that doesn't work everywhere, but I, you know, since, since that's happened, like our phone's ringing a lot more about, Hey, can you all help us manage? We've got this huge grant. We don't know how to facilitate it. How, you know, how would you operationalize it if it was, you know, if it was in your lap or is that something you could help administer for us? And so we're like tree, you know, it's funny, like be careful 
we don't advertise any of this, but it's like I had to meet with our team last week. We got five different opportunities for things. I was like, we need to look at these and see, like, is this one we want to do? Do we not want to do it? Do we think we could even help here? If not, you know, we need to let them know and then move on to the next one. But it's been that's been a real fun journey too. Is saying, hey, we're onto something because operationalizing pharmacy real quickly. That's something that maybe people aren't doing really well or don't have the opportunity to do. And with all these grants out there, it's like, hey. Maybe that's a niche place for us to really highlight the value pharmacy can bring to some of these public health initiatives. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's once somebody finds out you can execute a project, everybody finds out you can execute a project. And then, you know, one of the, it's funny, one of the things that Jeff says to us a lot that's the most important thing is just like what we say no to is more important than what we say yes to. Um, and you just have to be really thoughtful about what you're going to commit to. And if you can do it, you can actually do it. That goes a long way. The next thing you know, five people know about it and then 20 people know about it. And then you're Trip Logan. Then you're Trip Logan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good. Wow. I so, agree with you on the saying no thing though. I definitely agree <laughs> on that. I, I blatantly stole that I should from do Jeff. That more. I should do that more. Yeah, yeah. I should also take that advice, but telling Jeff no is always hard. That is hard. Yeah. It's a little hard. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Wow. So, so 15,000 vaccinations. How many people you guys think you touched? You said 70? I thought. Okay. 70,000 um, interventions. As far as like the people go, I think it was, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Wow. I, I don't have that in front of me, but a lot. That's yeah. huge. And, and we were where they were either most of, sometimes they referred into the pharmacies, but most of the time it was meeting them at wherever, you know, wherever they were. Festivals and yeah. Yeah. yeah real cool. Man, I wish. Wish I would have got a vaccination at a fish fry. <laughs> Would've been better. And got mine at a university hospital. <laughs> um, wow, that's huge. That's crazy. So that, well, that that was one. That's so that was one. That was one of the what's next. What else? What else do you have here? Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> so you know the fun stuff that's going on in my world right now is that it seems like after after um, the initial push of COVID vaccinations has happened, that this world has woken up to realize like two or three things. One is that folks didn't take care of their chronic conditions during COVID. Yeah. And so, oh crap, you know, everybody's A1C is up, everybody's blood pressure is up. We got, we have some problems. Also that there were breaks pumped on metrics and quality scoring and so, so many things during COVID. And so now provider groups and ACOs and all these guys are saying, okay, now we got to get back into care management. Now, now, you know, we have to look at, you know, exposure and what's happening is that now you have people get, seeking more care, which is really hurting. I just had the coolest meetings with provider groups and, and I'll take a step back first. I, I was traveling way too much before COVID. I was focusing on other stuff before COVID. Uh, COVID forced me to, I was grounded here locally okay. and we just reset and looked at local opportunities like, oh my gosh, like we had so much stuff here locally that I didn't even, you know, wow. I, I didn't know. So we've been working with our local providers who are desperate for help. Well, we've been working with FQHCs and, and, and um, in programs like chronic care management, but also we're getting, like the other day we had a, a provider ask us about um um, opioid deprescribing and how can we can help with that. We've had, uh, just trying to think some of the cooler ones, chronic kidney disease. You think, you know, blood pressure and blood sugar is going up. It, it, 
we need some chronic kidney disease screenings. How's that going to work? Is that something you all can help with? And you all be in pharmacy, right? So right. sometimes I'm like, sometimes it's my pharmacies and I'm wearing my hat. Sometimes it's our service providers. I'm wearing that hat. Sometimes it's, you know, trips, the representative for pharmacies in Missouri or mm-hmm. CPSN or, or wherever. So I'm just speaking in general, but all of these have local implications. It's like we, we have, you know, my dad always says, you know, sometimes you're the, you're the, the dog that caught the car. And then like, what do you do with it? And that's yeah. kind of where we are. It's like, we're having to say no to some of these things, grant money flying in, trying to say, okay, will you help us with this? Will you help us with that? And, um, it's a pivotal moment and I'll use this for my doom and gloom. And then I'm going to spin it around to positive. Okay. Uh, the, and I'm telling this to everybody that'll listen. So I want, I want somebody to tell me I'm wrong because I believe I'm right and I don't want to be right. The CMS final rule that came out about DR being, um, you know, calculated at the point of sale, I am scared to death that that's going to lead to the, you know, what I'm calling the Great Depression of community pharmacy because on January 1, 2024, DR is going to be withheld at the point of sale, which means the product reimbursement is going to be as low as possible and retroactive is going to be happening at the same time for previous yeah, you got three months you got, of overlap you got double, DR, be, yep. double dr and nobody I, you got this big crunch coming right you got this yeah, big complain crunch about dr yeah. what about double dr yeah I, you you won't be able and i think there'll be predatory acquisition of pharmacy so now this is my uh, call to action to all my colleagues to really think about this and consider january 1 2024 is the time in the agriculture world that's where my family came from and during the great depression some people bought land some people sold land the people that bought land are still doing really well today people that sold land are doing something else and so we need to think about pharmacy in the same way and now's the time we were blessed with a year and a half to shore our businesses up right with mm-hmm. services layer on as many things as possible be strategic stockpile as much capital yeah. as you can because that's going to be tough to survive but those of us that do i think it's going to be you know it's going to be wonderful on the other side but we right. should be scared because it's scary yeah when i read that final rule i was i, I was like hold on let me, i drew it out on my whiteboard and it was like from january to april it's going to be a bloodbath. Yep. Because there, there was no correction for that overlap period when you have, you're getting charged at the time and then you're, you're short, you're true up in the end of the first quarter. So you're right. I, I, I think you're not wrong in that it's going to be scary for a month or a quarter, but once everybody makes it out of that, at least you'll know that how much you're getting robbed when you're getting robbed. Um, and I think that's the platform for going back to say, Hey, look, this isn't fiction anymore. These are hard dollars that I can show you. And and I think if you can make it through that quarter, you'll be all right. But start saving now. Yeah. So yeah. two things there. You said, you said, I think you, you kind of glossed over it, but you said during that time period or ramping up to it, you feel like there could be some predatorial acquisition movement going on. I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in states that had you know, what I would consider somewhat predatory Medicaid reimbursement issues and then acquisition happens afterwards. And all of a sudden there's a, you know, the landscape completely changes because of a finite period of time. Mm -hmm. I I could see, I mean, I could totally see that happening right now. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I'm a supporter. Like I've, I've been, you know, I, I've been working with NCPA for years on DR reform, uh, unintended consequences of DR. I, 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 I agree. I think you know, transparency is the, the best medicine here. So I, I think it's going to be okay. I just want to make sure everybody's prepared for you're, what's getting ready to happen. Yeah. You're, you can't yeah. have enough canaries in the coal mine right now about this yeah, crunch 20, coming. Like I, I spend know, about people half, talk about rent crunch right now yep. going on with interest rates going up and 
and and housing prices going up. Yeah, there's a there's a pharmacy industry coming in 2024. Yeah, it's right? funny. It, yeah. The day after I read that, Jeff and I were talking about. I think we all all three of us were yeah, talking we about were that that in. first quarter overlap going. That's gonna be rough. You better start escrow now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But the good news is, so let's let's end that yeah. on positive. Let's go. We have 18 months. Yep. Right plus. There's so much service opportunity out there. If 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 there ever was a time to find new partners to do non-traditional payment opportunities, like now is the time. Build that up. You've got 18 months to get there. So this is you know, this is where we're focusing our business. Like we're in complete restructure mode. Uh, uh, I think um, that lights a fire under us to go out and to I don't want to say sell, but go out and to really hustle. Mm-hmm. You know that I need to be out hustling every day. I don't need to be on the bench like everybody. And you want your job, you need me out hustling every day, trying to get us more, more service opportunities because that's going to shore up this for for the sustainable long term. And I just encourage everybody to do the same. And now's the time because man, coming off of COVID, like I'm saying, chronic disease is a problem. I, last three provider groups I've talked to, I mean, they're, they were like eyes wide open, like, oh, crap, like we're in trouble. We need some help. And so we've just had where maybe it wouldn't have been as receptive of a conversation two years ago. Now sure. it's like, hey, how can, how can we work together? So that's been, that's been real rewarding. So now's, so now's a good time. So talking to those provider groups, are you talking about like handling some of their chronic care management or annual wellness visits through Medicare? Or are you talking about different types of services? Yeah, so I'm talking about walking in with – um, a whole bunch of stuff in your back pocket that you can do and seeing where they're seeing where their their pressure points right. are and then pulling out a couple of things out of your pocket that, that'll work so chronic care management's definitely one of them um, that that's been leading some of the conversations that we've had recently um, we're finding a lot of opportunity in 340b world right now mm-hmm. uh, just a ton of opportunity in 340b layering services into that so that's that's a whole lot of fun that's one that um, I'm really up on I think that's a good place for us to play and I could unpack that too if you want to and then um, also uh, other maybe unexpected places like opioid deprescribing and right. like um, ACO metrics and like, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know what an accountable, I mean, I knew what an ACO was, but didn't really understand until coming and sitting in some of these provider meetings. And now I'm like, I, I understand where your problems are. Yeah, I totally get it. In like health home situations that I didn't even know existed. And now I'm like, oh, the state has a Medicaid health home. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we could help with those metrics. So it's interesting to get in because everybody needs help. And it all goes back to this first conversation. Who needs the help? It's that last mile local group that's costing the money. They're at risk. Like it's the worst and, and they don't have broadband. They don't have cell phone minutes. That's the one that pharmacy knows. I could walk in up front. I'm at LNS Pharmacy in Charleston, Missouri, and they probably without, I think without exception, if somebody said, hey, we need to get a hold of so-and-so in this county, I've got somebody within two degrees of family, they can get a hold of that person. Wow. They know where they live. Yeah. And I, it's that way everywhere. It's that way everywhere. So I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that this last mile care, and it all goes back to, and I'll, I'll, I'll end it at this, go to these provider meetings, public health meetings, community health workers, really doesn't matter. It's all the same process. If you have an appointment-based workflow where you, where you can layer on additional services or follow-up specific calls or COVID vaccination and hesitancy conversations or whatever it is, as long as the workflow's there, like you can layer on any, it's the same process. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what it is. It's follow-up. It's right. being an expert in follow-up. Gosh, that's, 
That's big and exciting. So you're, so you're, so your kind of message out in the world is like, yeah, that's going to be a tough crunch. There is just tons of service opportunity, and that, and all of those that you're talking about, those are in some way active in in your stores at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 Or not in stores. Yeah. Or it's that's true. You're talking about like kind of like contract. separating services from yeah, pharmacy. So let me tell you about our kind of how our business and this. Yeah. I've, I've had to, this is a huge education thing for for us and our staff. So um, I had this aha moment. Uh, 18 months ago, I guess, or COVID vaccinations first started. And I, he- I heard some chatter. It's like, hey, he wasn't even one of ours. Somebody that came in that got a COVID. I was like, yeah, he's used other pharmacy down the street forever. He's not, I was like, no, no, no. Like, we need to redefine ours. Yeah. If they've received any service or a prescription, they're ours. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have all their services from us. They don't have to have all their prescriptions for us, but they're, they're ours. And so trying to rethink what we consider ours. And so we've got three pharmacies that we own and operate right now. So those are essentially lines of business. We've got a services line of business and services is services. It may be for patients in the pharmacy. It may be for patients outside of the pharmacy. It's got its own budget. It's got its own people. Uh, we jumped all into that last year. Um, we're a little over a year into, like I tried to say, hey, we're, my dad and I said, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. We hired a clinical pharmacist, former resident of ours, and said, we're going we're going to go. Like We think this will work so much so that we're going to invest in it. And we happened to do it about the time that vaccinations were big. So we're like, we can prop this up with COVID vaccinations right. now, figure out how to do it. It's perfect timing, right? And then we've got a, um, a consulting side where we do projects for SFIS. And mm-hmm. so, you know, th- those are our lines of business. They overlap sometimes. Sometimes they're independent. They're looked at separately. What we, what, what, what we can't have, and I was just talking to a friend of mine about this a minute ago, we can't have other lines propping up the pharmacies. Those pharmacies have to stand alone. You know, we, we have to make sure that services aren't propping up. You can't be profitable on services, losing on pharmacy, right. and be at a net loss. Right. And that's where we're sitting right now. Like our pharmacies are leaking money. Um, it's just the nature of, so we're, we're in this restructuring now to say, okay, we're doing well in consulting and services. These pharmacies are really having trouble. So let's, let's make sure that we can shore up the pharmacies, which was what we're doing right now with efficiency and make sure that, you know, um, if, uh, if you got somebody that's getting services that we're using the right staff and, and, and we, we can make that work. So between now and 18 months from now, yeah. we're, we're solid on all, every one of those lines of business and one's not propping up the other. That makes a, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of thinking about that's not one of ours. Cause you know, we hear that all, all the time. Like we've even, we've even kind of pushed that word out of like, Hey, if somebody came into your pharmacy and got a COVID vaccine and they don't normally fill there, that's an opportunity for you to get more of their business. And it is, but you're still thinking about them as like someone else's in our in mine. Um, but you know, like a patient doesn't really think about you in that way, right? They go to you for the things that they need you for, and they go to somebody else for the things that they need that other person for. That doesn't make you any better or worse than the other person. So it's really kind of thinking about patients the way they think of you. Um, and I think that kind of helps with program design to say when we're the best, they'll come here no matter what they want. And if they get their drugs from somewhere else, but they get all their services from you. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not that hard. You know I mean? It's like, I'm not going to, there was a, a, a time where, um, and I remember I'm, so I'm 20, 20 years in pharmacy now. I remember when a lot of the dollar type stores were popping up and the pharmacies were just, 
their front ends were getting killed because people were going down the street to a dollar store and buying right. their Tylenol or whatever. Like, I don't look down on somebody because they, they go down and they don't buy OTC from, from me, right? I mean, it's still my patient. So the same thing with the prescriptions. You find some place that you like better to get your prescriptions, but you get all your services from me. Okay, good. Maybe one of these days you'll consider me for, for prescriptions as well. But, hey, I'm taking the services or vice versa. Right. Well, and that also, it opens the door for you thinking about, you know, like that's always been the case with specialty pharmacy and regular pharmacy. And I even hate that I said regular pharmacy, but community pharmacy and specialty pharmacy, right? Like you've never been able to get your hemophilia drug from the community pharmacy. It doesn't change that at all, right? They, they, you'll oh. never be able to get that drug. So you can get all of the other things and services that you can for that patient and do the best thing for that patient. And the other parts are relevant. Well, I had a colleague in one of the counties where I am, and we were talking about COVID vaccination plans. Like, what day a week? And another thing we did was we, we set up, um, we didn't all vaccinate on the same days when we finally got supply. Like, we mm -hmm. alternated days. So somebody, like, we just divided it up. Four pharmacies and health department, five days a week, we all vaccinated on a different day. Mm -hmm. And so that way, if, if it's convenient, you know, it was very equitable. And one of my colleagues is like, you know, we're not the multi-store owners. Like, we're, we're not going to vaccinate in that at that location so you guys can divide up our day however however you want to divide it up it's fine like yeah, yeah. it's good they, they're not vaccinated that's okay we're not taking their patients you know he trusted that you know, it's it's mm -hmm. good like we'll do it makes a ton of sense my gosh yeah. like you drop so much knowledge you know it's weird logic <laughs> is it though right <laughs> i don't know yeah that's good. My dad always says that uh, common sense is an uncommon commodity. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. That's My wife says that to me. True. I feel like she's trying to tell me something. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> One of the smartest people I know can't remember where he puts his keys I know, all the Tom, time. I'm sorry. That is my, that's my Achilles heel. If you're, if you're around me in my life, you're helping me look for my keys. Yeah. My <laughs> short-term memory. Like you can't say, I always, we always joke, so we're like at a restaurant and somebody, you all know the waiter that'll come up and say, what do you want? What do you want? And we have, there's five of us. I've got three kids. And so ask Laura and ask Bennett and ask Amelia and ask Anna and ask me what we want and doesn't write anything down. Yeah. And then walks off and they'll all look at me and say, how long before you forgot that? I was like, I've already forgotten what you ordered. Like, there's no way I would ever. <laughs> so my short term memory is terrible. I'd, I'd, I'd have to, do that. So I'd have yeah. to write it all down. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the one thing I'll say, I guess with this kind of, um, this crunch coming and the transparency coming with, uh, in 2024 near DRI fees, you'll, You'll see where some of the, I think this is a broader, I guess, point, but where some of the rubber meets the road around some of the legislative efforts people have had around like uh, either Mac appeals or minimum reimbursement requirements and things like that. Cause it, it will be, I would, I'd hope now people can get around things with language, but um, I would hope it's, it's harder around some of the people that did a lot of that good work. Hopefully it starts to pay a little bit of dividends in some of those States that got, that got it done. Yeah. Or we hope we don't, and I hope nobody takes an idea from this. We we made a joke that like out now that the transparency is there, they'll just be like, "All right, NADAC minus seventeen percent instead of AWP right. minus thirty seven. You're like, find a new way to pay yeah. less than yeah I, possible. Yeah, hundred percent. You'll you'll never hear me. I'm I'm not a PBM basher. You know mm -hmm. the the games sucks like but if you play the game you play game well all right like i'm trying to play the game well right yep. right yeah so you know it's all about guardrails and it's all about just making sure things are transparent and if it, you know, it's just the way that's the way of the world so i hope so and i hope that we're smart about oversight and transparency and legislation yep. mm -hmm. but also sometimes like 
you just got to change the rules of the game midway or play your own game. And yeah. so that's what we're trying to do locally. It's like, you know, you can, there's this real cool graphic and I forgot who did it, but it's like these two circles. One's like things that matter. And one says things I can change. And in the middle, you like, all you focus on are things that matter that you can change. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that like, that's where I, I look at this is like some of these things I can't do anything about complaining yeah. does no good. Right. So how can we, how can we focus on the medical side? How can we focus with provider contracts? How can we prop up maybe, and, and I'll tell you this, this is how much I believe in this. So in 2015, 16, we quit using a PSAO and did our own direct mm-hmm. contracting because I felt like, you know, I, I think I can do just as good a job because there's not, nobody's negotiating that much. The con- I'd seen the contracts, they're not that much different. And the, my local mix was different than what a national mix would, would look right. like. And mm-hmm. so I just felt like, you know, we, we need to draw a line in the sand somewhere. And it, it's been, it's worked out, you know, I would say, say pretty well for us. And so back then we said, okay, here's the minimum we're going to take. And some, you know, you go to some, you know, healthcare providers and we don't take your insurance. So we we were in that, we were in that space and it's a lot easier in the Medicare part D conversation when it's coming up next year, like, Hey, we don't take your plan. They typically switch to different one. So we had a lot of success with that. I've completely 180 pivoted now to the lives are the most important thing because we're losing on all prescriptions. Like we're losing on like, I can't remember what percentage I saw, but like we, we just looked at this the other day and it's a, I'm embarrassed to say how, what percentage of prescriptions we lose money on. So, all right, we just need lives because we're going to layer on as many services as we can to right. these lives. And so if we, if we limit the number of lives that walk in our pharmacy, you limit because your of the prescription count. side, yeah. then we, we can't give vaccinations. We can't do chronic care management. We can't do all these things. And so our strategy is completely changed based on the market, right? Because we're looking at these numbers like, well, this like our old strategy doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to use this new strategy and I don't see that getting any better with this new contracting 20, you know, 2024. So right. again, our, if we can break even on farms or even come up with relationships where we're not even buying the drugs, maybe somebody like buy, sell is not really what a pharmacy we're healthcare providers buy, sell is not our business. Right. Right. I don't even know why anybody ever thought that was a good idea that we're buying and selling. Like we buy cheap and sell high. Like that's not what we're pharmacists. Yeah. Like we're not supposed to be doing that. So if we can come up with even ways to, to come up with, um, you know, somebody else is buying the drug, we're offering dispensing and services like, Hey man, count me in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's funny. Is that my, my wife currently works for a a health plan and, um, the, the different, seeing the difference between how pharmacy claims are billed and how medical drugs are billed. You're just like, man, all I want to do is send a J code in. Like, the 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 margin difference is just staggering because it's partially like on the medical side they're like it is a product you needed to use to provide the service that you're going to provide why wouldn't you cover that at cost plus you know and like in pharmacy it's totally different right we we don't look at the drug as a commodity we're still looking at it like we did 50 years ago and saying i make all of my money off of the margin of the spread there is none of that anymore. The drug is a commodity. If you can't figure out how to just cover the cost of the drug and then pay for the the cognitive service of dispensing the drug and counseling and things like that, I, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, I, I echo that. I definitely echo that. And it's real. It's real interesting seeing the you know other side of the equation when you you know you got your medical benefit and your pharmacy benefit. You go over to the medical benefit. Life looks a lot different, but you know, the billing cycle is terribly long, right? And, you know, like there's no long. claim adjudication, instant gratification, no. you know, it's, yeah, it's totally different too. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, I want to make sure, you know, 
pharmacists kind of have this idea that billing medical is the the fix to all of our problems. There's a ton of problems on billing on the medical side too, right? It, it's not this utopia that we kind of want to build up in our head. It's got just as many, if not more problems than billing and, you know, real-time adjudication does. But there are some pros there too. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why they have whole businesses propped up around rev cycle management, right? right? Yeah. Like, I mean, entire huge <laughs> businesses just around rev cycle management because that process Right. Well, when isn't you, the most efficient. I'll well, just say when that. you when you look at it, almost all of the big EHRs started out in RevCycle management. Yeah, they did. Right. Like, let's be real. They weren't meant to be clinical documentation tools. They were meant to facilitate billing. Well, it, pharmacy systems really aren't any different, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole deal of like we're not different. It's just a different side of a coin. Yeah. Yeah. And we're we're in a different place you know we're we're where they were 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. yeah yeah good stuff are you coming to connect uh so i'm personally not we're sending pharmacists this time and okay. so um, i've got some picks that are coming and gonna take as many classes as possible so as much as i hate that i'm personally not coming uh i'm, I'm happy that we're having you know diversifying the, the our group as far as going to them we're trying to be really be more um i would say strategic about who we send where a little more purposeful trip to every meeting the most is that the best for our company and and we're i'm we're looking at this right probably not so we're we're really trying to diversify those folks that are coming so it's a great show been there a bunch of times um as a pioneer user and and when i wasn't a pioneer user so Hmm. that's a that's a, that's a good show. And, and, and I've been talking it up too. And we kind of looked at all the coursework and we've got a full agenda for the folks that are coming. Oh, that's good. You already got, awesome. a, you already got your map built, your, your yeah. learning paths built. You, you probably good. know more about your pharmacist going to connect than I know what I'm supposed to be doing at connect at that's this true. point. <laughs> I'm not going to touch if, that. <laughs> if, if, if Will, um, here's that, please edit that. Will and Marsha, he's kidding. <laughs> he's I know kidding. exactly what fun. I'm doing, when I'm doing it and right, how right. often. That's not true, but okay. All right real funny <laughs> well trip man um th- again thanks so much for being on you were the original external i guess non-pioneer person on the show you're the first right. guest we really really first guest to me in my opinion yeah that's really true had. the first one was gina right first one was gina which is yeah. our amazing uh customer support kind of original gangster there yeah um but yeah then it was trip well, I sure do appreciate being invited the first time and a second time. Like, yeah. hey, I feel really honored. So appreciate <laughs> you guys. Y'all do great work. I um, appreciate what you're doing for our profession. And if, as usual, if I can contribute to anything that you guys are doing that's going to help further profession, because it does know, you know going back to this uh, uh, Great Depression of community pharmacy, doesn't do any good if only the Logans are the ones that survive. Yeah. So we, we have to make sure that, that everybody's positioned and positioned very well. That's right. All right. All right. Well, Trip, thanks again, man. We'll uh, keep standing behind you when we need to and work together. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it, fellas. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more pharmacy professionals like you.